Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com prenatal. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Now we turn to the events in Minneapolis and to John Nichols. He spoke over the weekend with Keith Ellison, the Attorney General of Minnesota. Ellison has a deep knowledge of the neighborhood where George Floyd was killed. Ellison represented that district in Congress, and of course he was went on to be co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Keith Ellison will be heading the prosecution of the killer cop, Derek Chauvin, who's been charged with murder. John Nichols, welcome back. I am glad to be with you, John. I was going to say it was a pleasure, but I'm I'm afraid these times uh, have undermined the use of that word. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Well, the police are supposed to represent us and work for us. But in his interview with you, Keith Ellison points out that The police have always been in place to maintain the legal and social order. And he makes a powerful argument about that. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, I've covered Keith Ellison for a long time. And and I'll tell you, on Friday, as so much of the attention began to focus on uh, Minneapolis and, and what was happening in Minnesota in general, I reached out to him, uh, not, and I wouldn't have been surprised, even though I have known him and covered him a lot over the years, wouldn't have been surprised if he said, I'm just too busy. But instead he said, no, you know, I'd, I, I would really like to carve out some time to talk about this because I think this has to be put in perspective. And so we talked a couple times on Friday, and then we arranged to have a long conversation very early on on Saturday morning. And this is where he went to. He, he said, you know, look, you have to understand that if you have a just social order and the the police are supporting and sustaining that order, that's one thing. But if you have a social order uh, that goes back in its roots to slavery, segregation, Jim Crow, discrimination, he ran through this list. He says that's another thing altogether. And then he mentioned that, of course, he grew up in Michigan in the Detroit area. He said, look, you know, there was a great consciousness there that the, the police um, often were not on the side of organized labor, that they there you had a case where they were defending an economic order. Understanding how, how deeply rooted this, this crisis, this challenge is, Martin Luther King Jr. spoke about police brutality in the I Have a Dream speech and also in many of his speeches and writings that Malcolm X spoke about police brutality, that um, the NAACP and other groups, um, not in recent years, but generationally, have been talking about police brutality. Um, Now we have a a rising generation of activists with Black Lives Matter and and other groupings talking about police brutality. And he, he made that point that you know, we've got a challenge in this country, a fundamental challenge that has gone unaddressed for too long. We think of Minneapolis as a deep blue progressive stronghold. It elected the first Muslim to Congress, Keith Ellison. Now it's represented by Ilhan Omar, one of the first two Muslim immigrant women in Congress. 
Uh, when Trump came to town not too long ago, the liberal mayor snubbed him, refused to welcome him to the city. But the police in Minneapolis are not part of any of this. The police chief is a progressive black man, but the real power is the police union and its president. And they gave Trump a hero's welcome when he came to Minneapolis. And the president of the police union appeared with Trump on stage wearing a T-shirt that said Cops for Trump. Keith Ellison, of course, knows all about the problem of police unions and especially the police union in Minneapolis, the way they protect violent, racist cops. What did he say to you about it? He was very blunt about it. He did talk about the political realities of it. He also talked about the notion that that while the chief has significant powers, the head of the union becomes almost an alternative chief, uh, someone with a whole host of powers and Remember that Keith Ellison is a, a militantly, passionately pro-labor uh, member of Congress and attorney general. So he's not against unions. But what he said is, you know, look, if you're negotiating for wages and benefits and for basic protections, basic safety, yeah, yeah, that's that's what a union does. But in the case of these police federations, particularly the one in Minneapolis, he suggested that you, know, you really create a situation where, there is a protection for bad cops, and that's hugely problematic, not merely because a bad cop might stay on the force, but also because good cops feel like there's very few avenues to speak up. Because if you say, hey, I, I'm really concerned about this this other officer, instead of having immediate action taken and when the evidence is presented, have it dealt with, you end up in a situation where nothing happens. And and as Keith Ellison said, that creates a situation where even good cops tend to be absorbed into a bad system. And on another topic, Keith Ellison told you that provocateurs had been, quote, trying to tarnish the reputation of the noble protest for justice, close quote. Uh, there were a lot of reports in the Twin Cities media over the weekend about white nationalist uh, groups urging supporters to converge on Minneapolis for what they call boogaloo, their code word for race war. That's one reason why the city closed all the big highways coming into Minneapolis on Saturday night. I know you talked with Keith Ellison more about this. Yeah, we talked a lot about his concern. Uh, and, and I want to emphasize not just his concern. This is something that uh, a number of officials in Minneapolis and in Minnesota have talked about uh, that you have a, a, a protest movement here that's very large and very passionate and that is seeking to deliver a message about police brutality and uh, more generally about a need to, to change police in this country. To Keith Ellison's view, there, there also seem to be uh, situations where violence broke out, but it did not seem to have been rooted in the the movement. It didn't seem to be rooted in the people that were out there saying we want to address police brutality. It looked to to many observers like there were folks um, who showed up out of the blue and um, broke a window or, you know, did something else. And he described a couple of circumstances that were a particular concern to him. And he talked about some of this at a press conference as well. He has said, as the attorney general, if you've got information, uh, get it to me. I want to know. I want to know if there are if there are people here who are 
trying to provoke violence or to to do damage because they want to undermine or shame or or target uh, these movements. So this this whole broader question that you're bringing up here is one that, boy, I want to tell you, in Minneapolis right now, it is a big, big topic. And it is one that is brought up regularly at press conferences involving the governor and, and other officials, the mayor, much discussed in the press. Um, I would bring it back to Ellison and say, as the state's chief law enforcement officer, and that's what the attorney general is, he was expressing real concern about the prospect that there might be provocateurs and that they, uh, and if there are, that that needs to be addressed. Yeah, well, some of the, some of the targets of arson at issue here, there was a, a, a public library off Lake Street, a post office, two community bookstores, one community art center. Doesn't seem like Black Lives Matter would be targeting these places. Look, you don't always know what happens right. um, in difficult circumstances. And But what I would suggest to you is that having been out and covered a number of these demonstrations, I have seen Black Lives Matter activists being really focused on getting the message out right yeah. making sure that yeah. the message is delivered and that there and that the discussion doesn't get distracted from it and this is one of the big problems in this country you and I've talked a lot about media and you know one of the great challenges in the United States is that boy our media system uh is really really good at covering a fire um it is not so good at covering a social media social movement and um, and so I've seen too many situations in recent days where there were mass marches, mass mobilizations, thousands of people out peacefully protesting against police brutality. And that ends up as a, a side story or the last two paragraphs in the story, which focuses on a fire or on, you know, uh, damage to a building. And, and I understand yeah. you cover the whole story. You should cover the whole story. But. There has to be some perspective here, and some of that perspective has to take us to the reality that there are mass peaceful mobilizations around a fundamental issue. You talked about the media focusing on the uh, looting and the fires more than on the huge protest marches and on what's being argued for there. In the past, images like these have led to white backlash voting. A year after Watts, for example, California elected Ronald Reagan governor. In 1967, there were huge uh, riots in uh, in Newark and in Detroit. And after the year after that, Nixon was elected president. And, of course, law and order has always been a Republican rallying cry. And Trump, in, just in the last couple of days, has been trying very hard to play that same card. I know you talked with Keith Ellison about what he thought Joe Biden should be saying in response to the law and order themes of the Republicans and Trump's talk about shooting looters. Yeah, look, what Keith Ellison said, and I'll begin with what he said, and I'll expand from it just a little bit. Yeah, please. Uh, what he said is that, that Joe Biden has to talk about these things and that every Democratic candidate, for the House, the Senate, for state and local offices has to be talking about this. And and he was very specific about what they have to say. They do have to talk about, you know, how to really transform policing in this country and to make it work uh, in a much more humane uh, and functional way. He talked about the idea of moving away from a warrior mentality toward a guardian mentality, toward a, 
more of a protect and serve mentality for all people. And, um, and, and he was hopeful in that regard. Uh, and, and I think for good reason. And this is where I'll offer my additional thought. One of the biggest mistakes that is made in covering politics is to assume that politics always repeat. They don't always repeat. There was never a Franklin Roosevelt until there was a Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, there was never a Barack Obama until there was a Barack Obama. Um, you were right that you had backlash in the 1960s in the cities you mentioned, L.A., Detroit, and Newark. Uh, but you should also note that in relatively short order, those cities elected African-American mayors. Um, and, of course, that relates to white flight and some some other issues. I understand the, the whole of the political dynamic. But one of the things that that I think is a mistake is to assume that Donald Trump is Richard Nixon, that he can be Richard Nixon today. And I think that society does change. I don't know how much it changes, and I understand and respect the fears about backlash voting. But. What I will suggest to you is that there is a rising generation of young people uh, who are absolutely committed to economic and social and racial justice and who really put an exclamation mark on on racial justice, who really are passionately concerned about police brutality. And so the job of the Democrats is not to kind of go soft and try and you know talk around these issues, which is the mistake that Democrats made in the past. It is to, to go right into it and to have that discussion and to explain, A, why we have to change, right, and B, um, how much better off we all will be if we address police brutality and, and the challenge, the broader challenges with policing, that society will be better off. And if you make that argument in detail, aggressively, intelligently, I think you you can – uh, avoid or at least deal with a lot of the backlash um, and, in fact, mobilize uh, a, a much higher turnout of people who who want to see the change. So, uh, you know, I believe me, I, the, 2020 is is the year where we prove uh, the old theory that the future is unwritten. Right. Everything about this year is uh, unstable and uncertain. But. We know what Donald Trump is going to do in this year. We know that he will seek to exploit these issues. We know that he will seek to divide people um, as part of his reelection effort. He will do so in the ugliest and most brutal of ways. And so the question is, do the Democrats raise uh, uh, an alternative message? Do they, do they put a North Star out there and say, hey, you know, look, we're heading in a very different direction. And what we propose is – you know, a future where we address these issues and where we begin to bring society together, not through force and not through, um, you know, yelling about law and order, but but through, you know, a real pursuit, a shared pursuit of justice. And um, I don't think I'm naive about this. I, I think there really is an opening to get this right. But there is also the great danger because, un- unfortunately, uh, Joe Biden comes from an era when there was tremendous fear of backlash voting. So what you're going to have to do is pull him away from that and toward, you know, a deeper, more historic Democratic message that you have nothing to fear but fear itself. And to say, 
that the Democrats this year ought to be talking about these issues. They ought to be talking about a new vision and a new direction. They ought to listen to people like Keith Ellison. Uh, and I think they can get places that are that are better for them politically and that I know are better for society. John Nichols spoke with Keith Ellison about the shared pursuit of social justice. You can read that interview at thenation.com. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. I appreciate the conversation. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.